Let's come to Proverbs, the third chapter. Now, we've covered this, but here is what is so important that applies through all time, every covenant with God, every part of our lives, every day, and in keeping the ways of God. And also, it shows the whole process, when you tie this together with Hebrews chapter 10, about God writing into our hearts and minds his laws and his commandments. Now, this also becomes very important because God made us to incorporate these things into our minds and our ways of thinking rather than our own ways. So let's just come to verse 1, Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. So that ties right in with Hebrews chapter 10. And you add to that the Spirit of God with conversion, and that all ties it together which shows exactly, as Nolan brought out, that the Word of God is one complete whole with many parts. Verse 2, For they shall add length of days and long life and peace to you. Do not let mercy and truth forsake you. And that's what we're seeing today. No mercy no truth, and what do we have? What does the world have? All the problems. Bind them around your neck and write them upon the tablet of your heart. So you see, this ties in together. God will write them into our hearts and minds, but what do we do to get them there? We have to study and think and apply and live and work, and all of those things are attached to it, you see. And so you shall find favor. Now that means grace. What is the New Testament based upon? Grace, mercy, forgiveness, but also Too many people forget the other side of the coin. The other side of the coin is sin, death, lake of fire, right? Okay. You will find grace and good understanding in the sight of God. Now, that's what you want first. And man. Now, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's a full-time proposition for every one of us, see? And lean not to your own understanding. And isn't that when we get in trouble? Yes. What happened to Cain? He leaned to his own understanding, and that was sin. What is it with religion today? Every single one that professes Christianity in the world, they lean to their own understanding. And nothing demonstrates that any more than what we are experiencing every year. Christmas, New Year's, Lent, Easter. Because when we lean to our own understanding, who do we invite in? Satan, the devil. Now notice this, verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Now that's what we want. We want God to lead us. We want God with his spirit to teach us. We want God to help us do what we need to do. 
act the way we need to act, think the way we need to think, and all of this is part of conversion leading to eternal life. And so here it is again, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And isn't that what we have today? Everyone says, I think, I believe, I suppose. Now, today, there is such confusion with all of the end-time prophecies because there are a multitude of false prophets out there who use part of the Bible and don't understand it and don't understand the holy days of God. And you cannot understand the plan of God or the Bible until you understand the Sabbath and holy days of God. Now, in what we're going to cover after the break, I want you to write for scripturalism versus Judaism, because Judaism is leaning to your own understanding. And you will see, and there will be a lot of history in there that we will cover in Haggai and Zechariah after the break. But that's important for us to understand, okay? Now then, all of these things come together, and you also need the book, God's Plan for Mankind Revealed, by his Sabbath and his holy days. And here's the conundrum in the world today. Everyone has been trained by technology of many different forms and kinds to have a very short attention span. So therefore, we want a summary. But what God has for us requires Diligent study. Not a summary, but a digging into many, many, many facts. And as Nolan pointed out concerning the Passover, what one day is the focal point after the Sabbath, both days, Sabbath, and what Nolan brought out about the Passover, the Passover is the day that is filled with so much teachings of men, understanding of men, rejecting of God, that it is incredible. That's why we have the book, The Christian Passover. Now, these are thick books. These are to help you understand the Bible in depth. You cannot understand the completeness of the Word of God until you understand it in depth. If someone asks you what the Passover is, you can summarize it. Well, that pictures the death of Christ, the shed blood, and the forgiveness of sin through the grace of God. All right? That's like a subtitle. When did Christ come? How did he come? How did he die? How were the prophecies fulfilled? How have men twisted it? How have men taken the Passover ceremony, changed it into the Lord's Supper, changed it into communion, and I'm going to show you one a little later on what Kenneth Copeland has done to what he regards as communion, and it is satanic blasphemy. But we're living in a time when Satan is running wild. Remember the series I gave at Church and Home, Satan Out of the Closet? Well, look at what is happening everywhere. See? God doesn't have to do a thing because his laws are there. 
When you keep them, he blesses you. When you break them and you don't repent, you receive the automatic penalty that comes. And what is the first penalty that happens? Boom. You're blinded. Why? Because you put your own way ahead of God's way. You put your own thoughts ahead of God's thoughts. See? So that's why what we have produced in the Christian biblical church of God has been to guard the truth, to protect the truth in every detail possible. And so this is why it's important that you have these books. It's important that you read them, that you study them, that you understand what is right according to the word of God and why the traditions of men are wrong. Today, you ask any Jew, which day is the Passover? 15th. How did they come to that? When the Bible says the 14th. Why did that happen? What did they add to it? If you want to know what they added to it, watch Jonathan Kahn when he does his Passover. That is nothing but traditions of men that reject Christ And Jonathan Kahn does not know the New Testament. He does not understand the holy days the way that they should be. And he says that it's all right to keep Sunday if you want to. Okay. He is a highly intellectual, persuasive prophet of Baal. And how many false prophets are out there? What did Jesus say? Many, many, many. Give you an example of what many means. You go to Daniel, the 12th chapter. And he says at the end, many shall go to and fro. All right. You look at it. Time of the end. Look at the travel that we have. Everybody travels. Many different means. Walking is antiquated, unless you want a little exercise. (laughs) Okay, now they have electric scooters. They have electric bikes. Okay, they have bicycles. They have motorcycles, they have cars, small cars, big cars, trucks, they have buses, they have planes, they have rockets, and everybody's going to and fro. Even here in the little town of Hollister, they've tried to develop it, that we have traffic jams like Los Angeles. Now, That word many, what does it mean? Nearly every one. So when it says there will be many false prophets, you go online, you go on YouTube, you go on these religious channels, you do it on television, you do it on your smartphone, you do it on your computer. And everyone's got an idea how prophecy is coming to pass. And they don't know the timing because they reject the Sabbath and Holy Day. Now, you need the series and you need to set your mind to get these books that I've mentioned and to use those as study material to help you understand the depths of things that God wants you to know.
and the one which covers prophecy, the most accurate of any that is out there, is the one that we have done, Daniel and Revelation. The Daniel and Revelation series. And it's got messages to go with it. It's got charts to go with it. And it has the calculated Hebrew calendar. And how many of those in Orthodox Christianity even have a clue as to what that is? First thing they'll say, and the Jews would agree, oh, that's for the Jews. Lie. What did Paul write? And the Jews need to learn this. And the Jews need to quit coming and acting as though that you know everything about the New Testament when you don't know a single thing about the New Testament. Paul writes that if you are Abraham's seed, not Jewish, Abraham's seed, then are you what? Heirs to the promise. Whether is neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female. You are all the seed of Abraham. And so if any of you out there are infatuated by what some Jews are saying, you better get your antenna up and you better get your nose into the Bible because the deception of Satan is going to be absolute in such a powerful way. And I'll talk about that a little bit after the break. That if we don't really get in and know and understand to the very depths that we can possibly come to of what God is teaching us in his word. Then there will be some who will believe false doctrine and fall away. So that's why it's important. So let's go ahead and take a break and we'll come back and we'll get into the message. Welcome back, brethren. Let's continue on on this Sabbath day. When the Jews came back from Babylon. Now, there will be certain parallels that we will see happening today and what's going on. But let's also look at a little news before we get to that. And let's understand, Satan is working overtime. In California, what they're going to do now is have the teachers teach in the schools children how to recognize fake news. So what they decide is fake news is anything against their sins and anything against the Democrat Party and anything of morality out of the Bible. All of that's going to be fake news. And in addition to that, that's what they will do in the classroom. And after the classroom, they're going to have Satan clubs with fun and games and everything really nice. Now, you watch all of the advertisements and you see how they're very hypnotic and very demonic. Animals talking, people flying, appearing, disappearing. All of this is demonic. Here's another one talking about how the stranger will rise above us. I would 
suggests that you be very wise and before the election next year that you store up some food and some clothing and some water and different things because what's going to happen when all of these millions of illegal aliens no longer have any government support. How are they going to eat? What are they going to do? How many stores and buildings will they attack and burn down? During the election that is coming up, how many Antifa will be out there destroying cars, intimidating people? So a word to the wise, store up some things so when these developments happen, you will be prepared. Then they're always talking now about the war in the Middle East. Well, now they're saying that this war will lead probably to peace. Well, what does the prophecy show? Shows that very thing. Another very interesting thing happened. The son of the founder of Hamas went to the UN to denounce his father. Now, you may not think of how important that is, but no son goes and publicly denounces his father. And so he says, if you don't get rid of Hamas, it will be everywhere in the world. All right? Now, when the Jews were carried off into Babylon because of their sins, we find in Second Chronicles 36 and we find in Second Kings 25, everything that was listed that was taken from the temple area to go to Babylon. And the ark was not there. The ark was not taken to Babylon. And so, a lot of people say, well, it's hidden someplace under Jerusalem. Well, they, they've looked under Jerusalem. They haven't found it. And I don't think they're going to find it. And if they do find it, it will be a fake. Okay? Now then, when the Jews came back out of Babylon, no mention of the ark was made. Now, as we have seen, When the Philistines took the ark, what happened to them? They were plagued with mice and hemorrhoids, and it was so bad that they sent it back on to Israel. Okay, And then when Asa, when David was trying to move the ark from Kirjath-Jerim up to his house for where he had a special little tabernacle for the ark of the covenant, Asa touched the ark that they were taking in a cart and he was struck dead. Okay? So, let's ask the question. If the ark is on the earth, which nation is being plagued with hemorrhoids and mice? None. Because Revelation 11.19 says, the Ark of the Covenant is in heaven. So what did God do? We can only surmise. It wasn't on the earth. It wasn't carried to Babylon. It wasn't brought back from Babylon. And it's not in Ethiopia, and it's not in South Africa, and it's not under the Vatican. Why? Because none of them are plagued with mice and hemorrhoids. Now, that might be, not be such a bad idea for the Vatican, 
Maybe that would help them learn a thing or two. <laughs> but nevertheless, who's going to believe Revelation eleven nineteen? Will the Jews believe it? No, because they don't believe in Revelation. Will the Catholics believe it? No, because they like to have the mystery that they have it someplace, but we don't know where it is. Okay? So when the Jews came back out of Babylon, it's not listed. And what's the most important thing concerning the temple? The Ark of the Covenant. Right? And that was what was put into the Holy of Holies by Solomon in the first temple. So let's come to Ezra, the first chapter, and let's see the beginning of the Jews coming back out of Babylon. And remember that when they came back with Ezra, there were only 43,000 that came. Okay? So let's come to Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1. And the date of this is 536 B.C. That means that's 566 years before the crucifixion of Christ. Okay? Verse 1. And in the first year is Cyrus king of Persia, and we read some of the prophecies in Isaiah talking about that God would raise up Cyrus, that the, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. And remember this, prophecy is always being fulfilled all the time. From individual lives to families to communities, to cities, to counties, to states, to countries. Because in Jeremiah 18, it says that God judges all the nations all the time. Was that not a prophecy? Is that not being fulfilled? Yes, indeed so that he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. That is, all of those that he knew of. But we'll have to see how this fits in. And he has charged me, to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Now, how did he know that? Huh? Don't you suppose that he had a one of the priests that were there in Persia had a copy of the prophecy of Isaiah, which had Cyrus' name in it? And remember who took over to rule under the king Ahasuerus. But Mordecai. And they brought in all the teachings of the commandments of God, and many of the heathen turned to becoming Jews, right? You can read that, okay? So he knew it. Whoever there is among you of all of his people... May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judea, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. So that right there tells you that Cyrus knew an awful lot. And whosoever remains in any place where he resides, he says, Give them gold, give them silver, send them on their way, let it be a blessing for them to go. Okay? Verse 5. And the chief of the fathers of Judea and Benjamin and the priest and the Levites and all those whose spirit God had stirred up. Okay? Now we can see this. God's spirit 
can work with people to help them do what they need to do without them necessarily being converted. Okay? Because it says, whose spirit God has stirred up, arose to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, and all of those who were among them made their their hands strong and vessels of silver with gold, with goods, with animals, with uh, precious things, besides all that was willingly offered. And Cyrus the king brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord. Very important. No Ark of the Covenant is mentioned. So we find it, no mention of the Ark going into captivity, no mention of the Ark coming out of captivity, when Cyrus said, give them everything that came out of the temple and let them take it with them to go to Jerusalem. Okay? All right, so they brought it. We won't, we won't go through all of that. Now, let's come to the book of Haggai. Now, this decree by Cyrus was made in his first year. Then he made Darius, who was also his cousin, but was also king of the Medes. He made him to be ruler over Jerusalem. Okay. So this is what we find here in the second year of Darius, Haggai, verse 1. Okay. Now, what I'm, why I'm bringing this out is because we will see that God is fulfilling the prophecies that he gave before they went into exile, that they would come back and God would be with them and build the temple and things could go on from there. So it was that the word of, of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shelatiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, okay, now then, human nature sets in. Here they come back. They're happy to be there. But they didn't do what they were supposed to do. So then Haggai says, verse 2, Thus says the Lord of hosts, speak, saying, This people, the time has not come that the Lord's house should be built. What they wanted to do is take care of their own house, build their own things, and then build the house of God later. Well, God didn't want that. He wanted them to work to build that house first, and then they could build their houses, probably some of them at the same time, could do both. Okay. So he says by Haggai verse 3 and then verse 4, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your finished houses, and shall this my house be waste? Okay, so he says, and he says this several times, Consider your ways. Amend your ways. And this is something that we should do all the time, consider our ways, all right? You have sown much and you bring little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You dress, but no one is warm. He who earns wages, earn wages to put him in a bag with holes. Sound like a little inflation like we have today? Everybody's leaving God. Inflation is rising. We have idiots running the country. We have Satanists in the deep bureau of the bureaucracy. We have Satanists on the judiciary, and that's why the country's coming uh, to a collapse, just like the founders said. If the people are not moral, this constitution will not work. That's where we are today. So then he says, consider your ways. Okay. You look for much, it came to little. Okay. So here's what happens. 
if you don't take care of what God wants you to take care of. Verse 9. You look for much, behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew on it. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is waste, and you, each man, runs to his own house. Okay. So you see, what we think that is important is not what God thinks that is important. Because unless we're on God's side and we're leaning to or not leaning to our own understanding, it's not going to work out. See? But if we, here they are, just like we read in Proverbs 3, lean to your own understanding. Well, I got to take care of my house first. Well, is God capable of taking care of you? Yes, he is. Okay. So he says, verse 10, Therefore the heavens above you have held back the dew, and the earth has held back its fruit. For I called for a drought upon the land, upon the mountains, upon the grain, upon the new wine, upon the oil, and upon that which the ground brings forth, upon men, upon livestock, and upon all the labor of your hands. Now, doesn't that cover about everything that they were doing? See? When God is dealing with us, we need to yield to God so we can do what he wants us to do. Here's what they did. Verse 12. Now this is fulfilling prophecy when they came out of Babylon. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shelatiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. So the Lord their God Yes, that God had sent, and the people feared before the Lord. Okay? Now, when we come to God, and this is what it is with us, think about us. Now, we can learn a spiritual lesson, which is this. Those of us who have God's Spirit, what did Jesus say of the Spirit of God if we love him and keep his commandments and keep his word. He said that we, the Father and the Son, will make our abode or dwelling place with them. So we have the Spirit of God within us. Okay? Now, let's draw another little parallel here. Okay? The Jews here were to build a temple in Jerusalem. Okay. Now let's see a spiritual parallel. Keep your place here and come to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. Because this is a lesson for us. That we need to yield to God. We need to do the will of God. We need to constantly put forth the effort to grow, to overcome, and so forth. Okay. Let's pick it up here in verse 5. Because they were saying, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of, I'm of Peter. So he says, verse 5, who then is Paul? Now think about that. Think about how Paul looked upon himself. Okay. You find this, that Paul always put the people of God first, not himself. Okay? And that's what all of us who are teachers and elders and ministers need to do, to feed the flock of God, God's way. Okay? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? These are but ministers through whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to each one. And the way that each one of us believe is with God's Spirit. Just like it talks about 
God stirring up the spirit of the people back in Haggai. God gives us his spirit so that we can grow and overcome. Now we'll see why. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Therefore, neither is he who who plants anything, nor he who waters, for it is God who gives the increase. Same principle in the book of Haggai. You do what God wants, and God will bless you. Same thing today. You do what God wants, and God will bless you. He's with you. He is in you. Let's see how important that is. All right? Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So God deals with each one of us individually. Now, think about that for just a minute. That God is dealing with each one of us that have the Spirit of God individually. And think about this. In him we live and move and have our being, and everything that there is comes from God. All of the things that we have, even which other people have made and put together that we can use, like everything in this room and everything in your home and whatever, it all has to come from God. Okay? So God is the one who does the blessing. Now notice, he says of himself, And Apollos, verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's husbandry, even God's building. That's quite a statement, isn't it? And as a wise architect, according to the grace of God that was given to me, I've laid the foundation, repentance and baptism, teaching the basics of the word of God, Another is building upon it, but let each one take heed how he builds upon it. Okay? So again, it comes right back to what we read in Haggai, the fourth chapter. Whatever those people were doing that was not in accord with the will of God, there was no blessing. But he said, if you come and do what I want you to do, there will be a blessing. Same way here, only we are not building a physical temple. Let's see how God looks upon us and what we need to realize that God is doing with us, okay? So you have to be careful how you build on it. Verse 11, for no one is able to lay any other foundation besides that which has been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds upon this foundation, okay, here we go. All of us are responsible to God. How we think, how we live, what we do, and the quality of the way that we do it. Do we completely rely on God? Do we completely love God with all our heart, mind, and soul and being? Do we do those things that please God? Or are we out there serving ourselves? And the whole lesson of the church that we have at this time is this, that whenever you get focused in on glorifying the leaders and men, And the leaders and teachers are not serving the brethren. Disaster happens. Right? Did that not happen? Yes. If anyone builds upon this foundation, gold. Now, what is gold? Gold is the most precious of everything that there is. Okay. And that's what was used to overlay the Ark of the Covenant, correct? And they had the vessels of gold and vessels of silver and precious stones. 
So there's a parallel here that Paul is drawing for us spiritually. Okay? Gold, silver, precious stone. Okay? Now then, some become sloppy. Some become oham. Some become minimalist, if I could put it that way. What is the minimum amount that I can do to enter into the kingdom of God? Because I want to have as much of me as I can. Well, the opposite is true. You need to have as much of Christ in you and God the Father in you so that you can develop the gold, the silver, the precious stone. Whenever you mix in the teachings of men and thoughts of men and leaning to your own understanding and saying that you're doing it for God, what do you build? Let's read it. Okay. Wood, hay, or stubble. Now wood, some wood, is pretty strong and takes a lot to burn. Okay. But hey, poof, and stubble, it can blow up in just certain circumstances all by itself. Now, I remember going out of Hollister. There was this great, nice hay field, alfalfa, really grew good. So they mowed it, they dried it, they they taken, put it in into the bundles, okay? And then they stacked it right alongside the road. And that was the last time they ever stacked it alongside the road. Because someone came with a bottle of gasoline and a wick in it, probably a cloth, let the cloth, threw it over, and all of the hay was burned up. So the owner came in the morning, and all of that work, all of that time, all of the labor, all of the cutting and drying and, and uh, putting it into the, to the big bales of hay, stack them up. Okay, gone. All that was left was just the wire that was twisted and turned in the ashes. See? So I've always remembered that because that gives me the impetus to understand you can't do it your way. So does that not answer the question? When the church came to the great trial, which was like the great fire, right? What happened? They just left. Where did they go? What happened to them? Well, they couldn't endure the trial. Now, we cannot determine for ourselves the degree of the trial that will come upon us. But every trial that comes upon us is for us to build the character. So the question becomes then, are we thankful to God that these things come so we can grow in grace and knowledge and overcome? And are we willing to build gold, silver, and precious stone rather than wood, hay, and stubble? Now let's see why. Verse 13, For the work of each one shall be manifested, for the day of trial shall declare it. We all have that. Every one of us. And I know that when you get into those dark days and you're all alone and there's nobody else but you and your, your wife and your family 
and maybe a couple of brethren that are faithful, and those are deep and dark days. Okay? But what do we do? Do we go forward or do we accuse God? Or do we look at it, hey, that's what happens, right? So, you get beyond the trial by overcoming, okay? But it's going to be tried by fire. It be revealed by fire, and the fire shall prove what kind of work each one's is. That's what it's for. Okay? Uh, just like those back there, Coming back from Babylon, they were happy to be there, but they were so happy they were going to build their own home. And God says, your own home isn't going to be worth anything unless you build my house first. Okay. So likewise, we have the same principle. If we are growing and overcoming and putting God first and his way first in everything that we do, he will be with us and he will bless us. He'll see us through the trials. We'll be able to overcome. God will be with us to accomplish what he wants us to do. See? So he says, if the work of anyone has built endures, he shall receive a reward. If the work of anyone is built up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved as though by fire. So God is going to have to do that. So he says this, verse 16, the key. Here's the parallel right here. Don't you know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God is dwelling in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God shall destroy him, because the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks himself to be wise in this world, let him become a fool so that he may be wise in God's sight. Okay? And he says the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Now let's come back here to the book of Haggai. And let's see what happened. See? So just like God works with us, within us, God worked with them to give them the spirit of understanding and willingness to work. Okay? Now then, notice how quickly these things come together. Okay? Verse 1, chapter 1, it says... In the sixth month, on the first day of the month. Now, come down here to chapter 2. In the seventh month, the 21st day of the month. What's the 21st day of the, of the seventh month? Remember what that is? 21st day of the seventh month is what? The last day. And what does tabernacles picture? Living with God, where? Eventually in New Jerusalem, right? Okay. So here it is. The first day of the Feast of Tabernacle, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shelatiel, and the governor of Judea, to Joshua the high uh, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people who is left among you, saw the temple in her first glory, and how you see how do you see it now? In comparison, it, is it not in your eyes as nothing? And it was small. Okay? And they had no ark. Verse 4. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, uh, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Okay. 
Now then, we see something very interesting that takes place. Okay, And we find this all the way through the writings, especially the prophets. There will be a prophecy concerning one thing, and then boom, something about Christ and the overall plan of God is put in. We'll see it right here. Okay, That projects clear forward to the end of the age in which we're living today. So there's a connection between Haggai and what we're doing today. Let's read it. Verse 5. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord. Now notice how far forward this projects clear to the return of Christ. All right? For thus said the Lord of hosts, once again, yet a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. What is the desire of all nations? Peace, security, and that can only come through Christ returning to the earth. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the house that he will build will be what? Okay, hold your place here and come to Isaiah, Isaiah 4. We covered this during the Feast of Tabernacles, but let's look at it again. Because this helps us understand that when the Christ returns... And the tabernacle is going to be in Jerusalem. There won't be any human beings there. It will be Jesus Christ, all the patriarchs, all of the prophets, and all of the apostles, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, etc. Okay, so let's see it. Isaiah 4 and verse 4. And the Lord shall create over every dwelling place of Mount Zion, over her assemblies, a cloud and smoke by day, and the shining of flaming fire by night. Now stop and think, how did God bring his presence to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt? pillar of fire by night, and a cloud by day. Okay, So here, over Jerusalem is going to be this great tabernacle, which will be the greatest thing on earth at that time. And it isn't going to be built with the hands of men or the, with the materials of men. It's going to be built by God. For the spirit sons of God, and for all of those that will be right there around the throne of God on earth. Okay? And that shall be over all the glory, and shall be a canopy. And there shall be a tabernacle for shade by day from the heat, and for refuge, for shelter from storm and rain. Okay? So... There we have it. We have the first temple that was destroyed. We have the second temple, which they're going to be building here in Haggai. That's after they come out of Babylon. Then we have conversion with us, and each one of us are a temple of God, and he's working with us. We have his spirit. We're growing. We're overcoming. We're using the spirit of God and doing what we need to. Okay, so back to Haggai, the second chapter. Okay, let's read that again. This is a projection forward, right in the middle of the instructions of what they were to do in building the second temple. But this is of the return of Christ and all the saints. Verse 6 again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, once again, yet a little while. Of course, time with God is a little while. 
I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. Okay? There it is right there. So all of those tie together. That's quite an amazing thing when you understand it, okay? Now notice verse 8. Notice verse 8. This is very important. What is it that you have that is your own? Okay? Verse 8. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple, that's the one we read of in Isaiah 4, shall be greater than that of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, where do you find that? You find that Isaiah, the second chapter, Malachi, the fourth chapter. Okay. In the 24th day of the ninth month, so that's getting in just about where we are today. In the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy flesh in the skirt of his garment and touches his, his shirt to bread and boiled food or wine or oil or any food, will it become holy? And the priest answered and said, no. Those things only become holy when they're dedicated to God. Then Haggai said, if one who is unclean by a dead body touches anything, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Now, here's the lesson. Okay. This is talking about human nature. What is our human nature by itself? Right here, verse 14. And Haggai answered and said, So is this people, so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. Now, this kind of goes back to what Nolan brought out in his message, right? What Cain did, he didn't bring what was right. So here again, you see what happens when people begin to do things their own way, contrary to what God wants. All right? So he says, And now I ask you, consider from this day forward, from before the placing of a stone upon stone, in the temple of the Lord. So they were ready to start setting the cornerstone for the temple. How that a man came expecting a heap of 20, 20 measures, and there were but 10, and came to the wine vat to drain off 50 measures from the wine press, but there were only 20. So what he's saying here, you do the work of building the temple and don't get carried away with your own ways, okay? Because it won't produce what you want and it won't produce what God wants. Verse 17, I struck you with blight and mildew and with hail and all the labor of your hands, yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. Now consider from this day forward, okay, from the 24th day of the ninth month. So God gave this as a lesson. From this day forward, I'm going to bless you to build the temple. But you've got to remember, you must do it my way. Just paraphrasing there. From the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider this. Is the seed still in the harvest? Yea, as yet divine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree, 
have not brought forth. From this day forward, I will bless you. So it's the same way with us. If we set our minds and our hearts to do what God wants, he will bless us. So we can learn some lessons out of all of this when the Jews came back out of captivity from Babylon. And what are we to come out of today? Huh? What is the world called today? It's called Babylon the Great, right? And what did he say to his people? Come out of her, my people, so that you are not partakers of her plagues. And I will receive you. This is what he's saying to him here. So we'll go ahead and conclude this by saying, look at how the Bible is put together and weaved together in such a way that everything fits in its place the way that God wants it. So likewise with us and what God wants us to do and how we do it in our individual lives, the things we do together collectively and so forth, they all matter. They all count. So if we come to God in that way, if we understand his word, if we apply ourselves with his spirit, God will bless us and be with us. That's what's important. All the other physical things around us amount to nothing, really. See? So, we'll look in book of Zechariah next week, and we will see some of these same things again. And I hope that this will help us really understand how great that the Word of God is.